This is National Tea Time. Yes, God, everybody. My name is Aloy O'Shaughnessy. I'm your host for National Tea Time. Today, my esteemed guest is none other than the Eddie Broadway. How are you, Eddie? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing as good as the rest of the world is doing. (laughs) Very, very much that. (laughs) Right. So tell us a bit about yourself. I'm a drag king in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been performing for a little over nine years. I have been transitioning for about six years medically, and I kind of found my gender identity through the art of drag. Mm -hmm. I've been able to hold a bunch of different titles locally and now two titles nationally. Yes. And just kind of seeing where the drag career takes me both locally and nationally and just kind of, uh, yeah, just having a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. And it shows. Trust me, it shows. (laughs) (laughs) So what got you interested in drag and drag pageantry? What was that one thing that was like, oh, I've got to do that? Oh, you know, I was a little baby gay going out to the bars. And um, it was one of my first times going to a lesbian bar out here. And I saw a drag king troupe, Sisters Twisted. And they had such a production about them. They had all these group numbers, duets, and it was very campy and silly and funny and creative. And coming from a theater background, I looked at that and was like, oh my God, (laughs) I want to do that. And luckily within, I think like a week or two from that show I saw, they had auditions to be in the troupe. And I jumped in auditions and got to be part of that troupe. The rest is history when it comes to drag. It took off from there. And then with pageantry, Phoenix is very very well known in terms of pageantry in general. There's a lot of people that come from Arizona that uh, are title holders. Mm -hmm. And the people that I met through the troupe, there was a couple mentors that I met that were part of the pageant circuits. And I started with the the Phoenix Pride title out here. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I got the the pageant bug and again, took off from there. Right. What led you to Mr. US of AMI? One of my first or second years performing, I, uh, again, I started talking about pageantry and Mm -hmm. my interest in that. And one of my mentors at the time showed me a video of one of the and my title holders, Richard Cranium. Yes, we love Richard. Yeah, I love Richard. And I saw that crown on his head and I said, one day that crown is gonna be mine. And <laughs> little did this baby king know that that crown eventually would be on my head. Um, right. I found out more about the system, how the brotherhood, the sisterhood, mm-hmm. the ability to be creative and showcase your art on a different level I loved that talent was kind of a huge focus in terms of points. Right. And I I really wanted to push myself. And I felt like US of A was that system to be able to kind of elevate my art. So I I very much got drawn to that in terms of seeing how creative these numbers were every single year. Just for my curiosity, how many times did you actually compete before you won at US of AMI? Uh, Twice. Oh. Twice. It was my, sec- my second year I competed, I won. So you competed the year Abs won. Yes. And then Abs crowned you. I was second alternate. Yep. Okay. I got second alternate the first year and then I won my second year. Yes. That's sickening. <laughs> there's always, there's certain process that a lot of drag entertainers, especially drag entertainers who are in pageantry, go through. What was your thought process from picking your prelim to getting ready for nationals and all that good stuff? Well, my first year, I didn't jump into US of A until I was absolutely felt like I could bring something I was proud of. I reigned as Mr. Phoenix Pride, and that kind of helped me to learn how to be an administrator, a person that's out there being a leader of our community and being a vocal person. 
If I didn't have that, I don't think I would have been nearly as prepared as I was for mm-hmm. U of A. It kind of helped give me that business aspect of it. So when I was ready, we had our Arizona prelim. So I chose that obviously because I wanted to represent my state Obviously, and Arizona has such a rich history of people that have placed top 12, have placed top five. And during the year I was Mr. Phoenix pride, Brandon Packer was Mr. US of AMI classic. Mm-hmm. So he kind of helped bridge that gap and answer those questions for me that I was missing about what the experience is like at nationals. And the first year I went in, I wasn't expecting to place as high as I did, but my personal goal was let's place top 12. I want that experience of getting top 12, learning, growing, adapting, all of that. And obviously when I placed top 12 that first year, my new goal was, all right, let's do top three. (laughs) I want to win, but let's, let's do top three. Let's try that or even top five, but preparing for it. It started with me coming up with my talent number. I love coming up with talent numbers because I love telling a story. Mm-hmm. So that was my first focus was get that talent number dialed in, ready, secure. I reached out to as many people as possible. There are choreographers, um, costume designers, anyone that I knew was going to kind of help direct my vision. Right. From there, obviously, I got my evening wear all prepared and I have such an amazing suit designer that kind of takes my brain. Anything that I say to her, this is what I'm envisioning. This is what I'm envisioning. And she throws it into a concept, regurgitates it back to me. (laughs) And then I'm like, yes, this is exactly, this is exactly the vision I was looking at. For me, preparing for a national title, it's all about my team. Right. My team is the most important thing to me. I, I know I didn't just win on my own. I won with the help of 10, 20, 30 people behind me, kind of guiding me in the direction that I needed to go. You know, it right. takes a village. And that's kind of how I look at it is I am the guy that's on stage showcasing my art, but I also am showcasing everyone else's hand at my art, if that right. makes sense. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of how I think of it. Your second year, the year you won, what prelim did you go for? Did you reign for your second year at a prelim or first alternate? So I I was second alternate my first year, so I had to run again. And I chose to go to Tennessee. Okay. I chose to go there, A, because it was further away in the season. I knew that I was definitely up there as one of the contenders and I just wanted to wait to make sure I was ready to make sure I had all the tools necessary to actually reign Mm -hmm. given the possibility of me winning. And then also with Tennessee, similar to Arizona, they have such a huge history of people that have won the title placed really high. So I felt I had a very good team in Tennessee to help me realize that right as well as so many of my really close friends come from Nashville and I developed relationships with them so I felt that that was going to be a team that was going to help elevate me get me ready and possibly win the title right well you also had Arkansas the year that you played second oh my alternate. God, yeah. <laughs> you had as hard uh, Arkansas swept it yeah <laughs> Yeah, Arkansas swept every pageant that year. They did mm-hmm, not go mm-hmm. to play. None of them did. Oh, I know. I was just like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> well, and the thing is, people have told me stories, and it's like none of them, Val, Victoria, or Abs, expected that to happen. Oh, not at all. They Their faces had were no clue cracked. <laughs> that that was going to happen, and they were like, well, shit. <laughs> Which worked out in their favor <laughs> because they all live here in Arkansas, so they could all travel together. I mean, it, it kind of mm-hmm. did work out in their favor. For sure. I think the, the tipping point between Arkansas and Tennessee was because when I was Mr. Phoenix Pride, Easy Love was the title holder for the US of AMI division. Mm-hmm. He met me and he was like, come with me. You're mine. <laughs> come to US of A. And so I also felt a little bit of a like, here is my thank you for getting me into the US of A system. Right. So I wanted to be part of, you know, his team, his family, right. and, you know, 
it was kind of just like, thank you, easy. I'll be part of Tennessee now. <laughs> right. So it's your second year. They're announcing the top 12. And they announce you as part of that top 12. Mm-hmm. What's going on inside your head when that happens? I was so thankful because, A, they called me. I think I was number 10 to be called. So it was getting towards the end of the top 12. Right. And I started having a little bit of a panic attack. And the main reason I started doubting myself was... I had a wardrobe malfunction oh, no. during my talent. Oh no. Yeah. So I thought I was done for. I genuinely was like, okay, well maybe there's next year. <laughs> the only thing that kept me holding on was my first year, I didn't really do well in interview. Mm-hmm. Um, my second year, I won interview in my group. So that still was in the back of my mind of like, hey, there's a possibility. Maybe I did just well enough to get into the top 12 and maybe my interview score will help me. I genuinely resigned myself to, okay, I didn't make top 12 this year. So when they called me, I, A, was shocked and B, was relieved. I just said, okay, let's do it. This is a clean slate and whatever happens, happens. Let's, let's make it happen. And in the back of my mind, I still had that interview award that was kind of really thrusting me forward. I think without that, I probably would have doubted myself even more. Which makes sense because really when you have an award going into, especially an interview award, because we all know, I certainly know, you certainly know, in US of A, interview is the only category that carries over into final night and that's true with us of a and america if you have an interview reward and you make top 12 you know you did damn good on interview Mm -hmm. absolutely so that that was the motivation to be like okay let's let's it lit a fire under my butt for sure right what did you do for talent it was a walking dead number i I did the same number both years but i took my critiques and i changed it Mm -hmm. so it was a whole number of being a sheriff essentially in the oh apocalypse God. and got attacked by zombies and they ripped me to shreds and then I transform into a zombie and do a crazy hip hop number. I don't know. <laughs> That's everything. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love, I love to me talents can be literally anything and I think the most creative talents are the ones that you don't expect to see. Yeah, and, and I did that number, like I just made it as a mix a couple years prior for mm-hmm. one of our pride festivals out here. So I performed it there. And my first year when I was coming up with a number, I, I came across it in my playlist and I was like, oh my God, this is a talent number. And I Perfect. really listened to it. I was like, this is the story of a transformation to turn into a zombie. I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. <laughs> so yes. uh, yeah. It was perfect. You've gone through preliminaries. You've gone through final night evening wear, creative evening wear, because there's a difference between evening gown for regular (laughs) US of A and creative evening wear for Mm -hmm. the MI Diva and MI Classic. Just to make that clear. So you. (laughs) It's still open for interpretation, though. (laughs) True, true. I think in US of A rules, they specifically say for like newcomer the uh miss and miss classic that mm-hmm. is not a creative category yeah i don't know what it says i've always thought that an mi mi classic and diva it's open for creativity yes it is so, okay that's one of those topics that's discussed a lot mm-hmm. because there's the people that take the creative and do really outside the box right and then there's the people that do creative and kind of keep it clean and neat so it's sometimes it blurs the lines and it's all every year it's a discussion of should we move it to evening wear should we keep it as creative what is the definition of creative so i like it but i don't remember who but someone told me that creative evening wear is not a costume correct that's what I've always interpreted as. Correct. The line between costume and creative evening wear, that's a completely different story. Yes. Because I've seen some beautiful creative evening wear that some people consider a costume. Yeah. And that's kind of what hurt me the first year. Is really? that I think they thought my suit was a little too costumey. But it was kind of ahead of its time, honestly. It was um, my person that made the suit. We modeled it after a New York runway fashion show. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they had seen quite anything like it. It was made with 
buttons and scrap material and like oh. it was really kind of it was different it was gears and cogs not in a steampunk way mm -hmm. it was so heavy i think the jacket alone was like 70 80 pounds but it was beautiful and it was modeled after a fashion show so wow yeah that's sickening so you've gone through final night evening wear final night talent they're announcing second runner-up first runner-up they're mm -hmm. basically announcing the top five and they haven't called your name yet what are you thinking at that point were you thinking the worst or were you thinking well shit, i just won well they announced the category awards mm -hmm. and they announced me as the talent winner oh well um, then it's done then okay. <laughs> <laughs> for me though i was holding that talent award and that for me is pretty much almost as good as winning the title for me i've always said that if I don't win, I want to win talent because that's a category that I guess validates me as a performer, as well as the blood, sweat and tears I put into my numbers. It kind of is that, hey, you were the best of the weekend in terms of talent. Right. It's not that I'm the best performer. It's just that number was the cleanest. And this is what we thought of your number. You executed it beautifully. You know what I mean? Right. But as they were calling down the line, the people that they were calling were some of my biggest competition. I didn't want to get my hopes up. I think when anyone wins a pageant, you kind of feel it in your bones. You know, you feel it. Right. I had that moment of kind of leaving my body and almost hearing them call my name before they did. But I also had that moment of, well, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But it wasn't until I think it was Bastion Cox standing next to me mm -hmm. he grabs my hand and looks at me he said when they call your name don't fall over <laughs> <laughs> and I, and i looked at him i was like what are you talking about he's like you won brother and i was like you don't know that <laughs> you don't know that and he's like yes you do they're gonna call your name and that's that was like right before they called my name and i yeah surreal moment for me right mm -hmm. so when they when they did call your name <laughs> what was the first thing that went through your head though i immediately felt like it was a dream mm -hmm. it's exhausting so competing for any national pageant is exhausting yes so by the I time agree. you hit that moment you're drained so i think i let out like a exasperated sigh as well as saying oh my god <laughs> kind of collapsed a little bit so you did fall over <laughs> a little bit i i didn't fall over completely i didn't go into complete dramatics but i definitely put my hands on my knees because i felt a little dizzy i had that moment of okay okay this is it this is this is the moment i've been waiting for and i walk up to abs and he's grabbing onto me and he looks at me and he's like he's like brother it's you take a knee and I was like, are you sure? Are you sure it's me? <laughs> Is this real life? And he said, I am sure. It's your time, brother. Being crowned by him was probably the, the best memory I have thus far in my drag career. Which is funny because you've been crowned by him twice. Twice. <laughs> We're just setting up a pattern. Right. <laughs> we'll get into that one later. You've been crowned. Which is obviously like the best feeling in the world for anybody who's won a, any pageant, really. Being mm -hmm. crowned a title is absolutely the greatest feeling ever. But a lot of people don't see what happens to the title holder's life. What parts of your life changed mm -hmm. when you were crowned? Pretty much everything. When I hold the title, I mm -hmm. go all the way in. The way Brandon Packer described it to me was your relationship for the year is this title. You have no other relationship but this title. So it actually was somewhat isolating at times. You're giving yourself over to the ring, especially if you give yourself fully to the title and what is expected. Your, your best friend is that crown. Your, your partner is that crown, your job is that crown, everything about your life is that crown. Obviously right. you need to take some self-care, but really there wasn't a day really that went by that I wasn't doing something US of A related. 
whether it be posting, promoting, contacting a promoter, stoning a costume, everything was centered around that. So a lot of my relationships kind of were put on hold here in Arizona. I didn't really hang out with a lot of people. I just very much was all about the rain and how to improve it and how to make the year super successful and kind of right. pass the torch onto the next year. So it was exhausting, but it was, it was absolutely worth it. What were some of the obstacles that occurred during your reign? I think it was just exhaustion at times. I worked 40 hours a week. And at the time I was a director at my hospital. So I, I had a lot of responsibilities with that. So I think at times my job somewhat suffered, but I was able to kind of work through it, balance it, try to do the best I can through it. So that was a huge obstacle. Obviously my partner at the time, she missed me all the time when I went away. I was gone most of October, all of November, some of December into January. So I, there was a lot of weekends that I missed out on. And those sacrifices you make is you're constantly going every, right. Almost every weekend I had a prelim for like 12 weeks. That's a lot. Some weekends I had like two or three prelims an entire weekend. Imagine going through all that. As the title holder, you're going to have moments of weakness. You're going to have the moments where you feel like I can't do this anymore. Oh yeah. But it just takes that one time to vent, yell about it, scream about it, cry about it, and then get over it. (laughs) Did you ever come across during your whole reign, anybody that didn't take you or that title serious while you were reigning? I think any person that gets the crown put on their head are faced with people that might think Mm -hmm. you didn't earn it or deserve it, but that's an opportunity to teach them who you are. That's an opportunity to shake their hand and say, hey, what can I do for you? What can I do to better the system? What questions do you have? What concerns do you have? Let me reach across the lines and try to figure out a best way to bridge this. And, you know, you may not like me, but at least I'm that person that they can't necessarily say that I'm disrespecting them because I gave the opportunity to try to see their point of view and educate them. And outside of that, I think the MI system has always kind of had these ebbs and flows of who is the system really for? Who are the title holders that win? Um, So I had a lot of, how do I say this? There was some difficulties at times with my gender identity. Which should uh, never been. A factor of winning the title. It's, It's okay. I validate the fact that it's a real thing because I am male passing. And that was the only difficulty I ran into. But I also, I think because let's say I tried my hardest not to come across as arrogant. Right. You do sometimes. You do. And I had really amazing friends that kind of popped my bubble Mm -hmm. and brought me back down to that humble place. And I think being able to kind of step back and go, okay, what validation are they needing? What are they seeking? What are they asking of me? Kind of helped me to go, I 100% validate you as a white transgender man that it feels uncomfortable, but this system is really for everyone. The system is for creativity. The system is for anyone, regardless of of gender identity. And it's, it's important that you showcase your arts to the best of your ability. And here's some tools to help. Oh yeah, absolutely. That is, if that makes sense. I agree with that a hundred percent. You said earlier. It takes a village. It's a phrase that is coined Mm -hmm. all throughout pageantry. It takes a village to win a pageant. I've also learned that it takes a village to reign as a national title holder. What was your support system like while you were reigning? My partner at the time, my my wife at the time, she was a big support. She she knew how hard it was. Mm. We didn't really necessarily fight over it. She knew that I needed to do this and she knew that she was going to take a back seat. So that really helped kind of alleviate mm-hmm. the anxiety of like feeling guilty. So she kind of held space for right. me to be able to realize my dream because she knew this was my dream. She knew that this was like the pinnacle of things that I've wanted to do in my drag career. Um, so she just held space for me, which was amazing. 
But the biggest thing outside of, you know, my Arizona community that I knew were mm-hmm. going to have me back in open arms when I came back and support me, the biggest thing that I think is important, especially with the US of A and my system, is those two that are next to you that get crowned the same week. Absolutely. The diva and the classic. If you don't have that camaraderie between the three of you, it's going to be a horrible, rough year. The biggest thing that got me through was I could pick up the phone and call seduction. I could pick up the phone and call ivory. We would experience some of the weirdest things together stressful situations together and that word together we knew we had each other's back if someone was starting to get annoyed with me i knew seduction and ivory would jump in if you know like if if seduction was having an issue with you know something going on we had her back we never showed if we were fighting we always came together as a group and made it happen and made it a unified force. And that's really what was so powerful about our reign was how unified we were. And it really, it really spoke volumes at our step down because we were I remember crying our eyes out. Every as time well you as turn around, everyone one of y'all three were crying. We just were crying. Every time I look up the stage, we're like, oh, they're crying again. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Get them a tissue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's <laughs> right. Obviously, Devin and Gage were a huge support as well. They, you know, I, I would call them any chance I got. I, I wish I would call them more because, you know, I just wish I did. But at the same time, I knew that if I had something going right. on, they would support me in whatever decision I made. So, like I said, it just takes a village. And it's those exactly. people that are with you throughout the whole thing that really shows. Yep, absolutely how much people love that system mm-hmm. especially that system absolutely so a lot of people know in pageantry when you're a national title holder you tend to work with a ton of different people and a lot of those people are promoters how is working with all the different promoters mm-hmm. and is there any piece of advice you could give to a person who may want to be a promoter That's a good question. I loved working with all the promoters. They were all just different with how they did things. I'm the type of person that I am really awkward when I accept help. (laughs) So I I had promoters that were like trying to whine and dine us. And I was like, no, you're good. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. That's the difference between you and me because I had to eat it all up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I still did, you know, I still, you know eat their dinners, drink right. their, their cocktails and, you know, all that good stuff. But promoters, like, if you want to be a promoter, you kind of have to have thick skin like the title holder. Promoters get a lot of backlash. They really do because um, they're gonna, you're going to deal with a lot of different people on your team, people that have different backgrounds, right. people that have different views of what it takes to be a title holder. And promoters tend to get a lot of backlash when things don't work out. So to be a promoter, you have to have really thick skin. But promoters also shouldn't, like, they need to be bulldozed by any title holder, right? Because without promoters, there wouldn't be a system. So that is a huge thing for people that hold the national title to understand is the promoters don't work for you. You work for the promoters. End of story. Because the promoters aren't there to wipe your butt and take care of you and all of that. Because without them, you wouldn't have contestants. You wouldn't have prelims and you wouldn't be making money. So you as the title holder need to be really aware and cognizant and just like present right. for the promoters and all that they do for the system right so it's kind of a give it's a give and take but i i don't, I don't think i think the promoters really need to um understand that they're the ones right. kind of holding <laughs> the cards in a way but also I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I think I'm explaining it, but it just, there's, there's a balance. Makes sense to me. <laughs> there, 
because I mean, now I'm a promoter. I I'm, I promote with Brandon and Ivory for Southwest US of A. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yes, that was announced at last year's nationals. Mm-hmm. Promoters mm. should understand it's expensive. It's exhausting but also understand why you're doing it. Are you doing it to make money or are you doing it to further the system? Because if you're doing it to make money, there's probably not going to be a lot of money in it. If you're doing it to further the system because you believe in it, right? then that's another story. Um, there is some money in it if you're a good business person. There is the ability to grow a prelim to the point where you are, it could be lucrative. But if you're just starting out, it's going to take time to build your brand. I commend anybody who wants to be a promoter I know I eventually want to be a promoter, but I, I'm too broke. <laughs> <laughs> I am way too broke for all that. <laughs> yeah, luckily I was on a team with three of us. Um, See, that's about the only way I could do it right now is if I was on a team of like three other people. And even still, I'm not even the one that financially put too much money into it. Brandon did. So I'm going to give him credit on that. <laughs> So Brandon's Brandon is the money bag. So I am the one that's kind of. Uh, You're the social media influencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm the social media influencer, but I kind of help with the contestants, get them all wrangled in. Was there any piece of advice that you were given that helped you better yourself during your reign? Remember when we were talking about that arrogance thing? Yes. Uh, before we even started prelim nights, I. I didn't have any of my team there with me. And Sonia J. Savage was in my room with me, sat me down and looked at me and said, you know, Eddie, you are extremely arrogant. <laughs> and I looked at her like, what? <laughs> I, I was absolutely cracked. Uh, I just, I, I bet stood you were. there. <laughs> just faithful on the floor. <laughs> and I, I got so sad and hurt and angry, but then she looked at me and was like, listen, I love you. You are talented. You have this in you, but you need to bring down that wall of ego and arrogance that is protecting you and humble yourself because this title is not about you. This title is about everyone else but you. It's about the boys out there It's about your contestants. It's about the system. Do not make it about you. Ever make it about you. Obviously, I was hurt. Obviously. But I took that, slept on it, and I still was kind of like, what did she mean by that? What does she mean by that? What is, what, what does she mean by that? Um, And I, I started seeing myself get a little bit more social. Uh, a little bit more involved with what other the other contestants were doing. Mm-hmm. And I felt myself dropping down that wall that I had. Seduction was crowned and then Ivory was crowned. And I remember walking up to Ivory and bawling my eyes out. I barely even knew Ivory. I barely even knew Ivory. But I knew what Ivory did to get to that point because he was first alternate when he eventually had the crown of being Mr. Yosemite. Right. So he didn't have the crowning moment. He had the crowning moment as classic. And seeing him and his dedication and his heart on that stage, I broke down in tears. And I tipped him and I looked at Sonia and she was right behind me. And I said, I finally understand what this is about. I get it. I get that this is much bigger than me. And that really helped me through my reign because anytime I felt myself maybe getting a little stubborn or whatever else, I had that moment of hearing Sonia say, this is not about you, this is about them. And so I I really, I think that helped my reign to make sure that I was making it about the contestants about my boys and never about me right and that that super helped me interesting never really heard it that way puts a whole different perspective to it yeah because i even with my my step down number my opening number i my top 12 they got sash pins for their top 12 i remember 
I did that on purpose because I wanted them to remember that moment and understand that they were part of the, the 12, the elite 12 that made it. And I wanted them to feel that they were, it was a sword and shield. Yeah. I couldn't remember. It was either a bow and arrow or a sword of some type. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wanted to make sure that everyone, regardless of top 12, knew that they had something amongst the brotherhood right you know and i wanted them to walk away feeling really included in things that's so lovely <laughs> damn i'm sentimental <laughs> i can tell <laughs> you have me crying on my own podcast we're gonna have words <laughs> <laughs> so you've competed a few times before you won total competing just all together in pageantry four times total but was there any critique? To me, everyone has that one critique. <laughs> what was that one critique that kind of forced you to be a better title holder? This one's a tough one because it was my first year and I almost didn't come back. Oh, no. Uh, I had a judge say that my package was an embarrassment to drag. Uh, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. That's so rude. That it just wasn't US of A material. What she think it was? Or he, whoever. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to know. Uh, I, <laughs> you do not want to know who the judge was. I remember who the judge was, and I'm never going to say who the judge was. But it was a moment of like, what? <laughs> I'm not going to name the other system. But they kind of alluded to me belonging in a different system. Like that I didn't have a place among the US of A, I belonged in blank system. My listeners can put that blank together. If you know pageantry <laughs> and you pay attention to Facebook. So, <laughs> so that, that kind of lit a fire under my butt, but I almost didn't come back. Genuinely, that really, really hurt pretty deep. Ouch. I can have... Yeah. That's just so rude. And you know what? I personally would have used that. Be like, oh, so... I'm gonna prove you wrong. <laughs> exactly. Which you that's, did. That's kind of what happened. <laughs> it took me a while. It took me a couple months, and it took abs kind of being like, "Come on, come on, get Don't your face stupid. off the ground. Come on." <laughs> just that's just so mean. Why would you say that to anybody? <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand. Know. I don't that. know. And like, and the scores that this person put really reflected how much they disliked. They me. just did not like, care oh. for you at all. Oh, I wonder if they were that like, mean to everybody, though. I don't know. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty. I mean, rough. I know every pageant has that one really harsh judge, but not that bad. Uh, that's pretty bad. Oh, I could no. See, we would have. Mm, mm -hmm. Facebook would have gotten a rant if I had ever gotten that. <laughs> so, what is your favorite memory when you were reigning? Like, is there any? funny stories any funny happenings like what's just your favorite let's say your favorite two memories okay so people that know me know that i'm really introverted when you first meet me but it it takes me a little bit to break out of my shell all the boys when in my give up kept making fun of me and because they saw me get a little little a little drunk on my step down and they made fun of me but it was the one of my favorite memories was my first prelim, I think, was Oklahoma, mm -hmm. I think. And it was just me and Ivory. I don't think Seduction was there yet, or I don't know if she had a prelim there yet. But Ivory and I barely, like, we kind of knew each other, kind of didn't. He knew of me, like, we met, like, maybe once or twice. And it was the night before our prelim, and so we were... We were there hanging out. Everything kind of got finalized for the next day. And he's like, come on, we're going to go out for a drink. And I was like, I, I'm kind of tired from the plane and blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to go back and crash. And he looked at me. He's like, if this is how you're going to be all rain, I'm going to kick your ass. Typical <laughs> he said something along those lines. <laughs> and he, he's, he's like, you're not going to be like this the entire rain. You are going to get your ass to that bar and you're going to get a couple of drinks. And you're going to have fun while you do it, damn it. <laughs> you're going to have fun with me and you're going to suck it up. He's like, I am classic and you need to keep up with me. <laughs> so obviously I went out 
And that kind of set the tone for our relationship where most of the time he badgers me and most of the time I call him old and classic and uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a, that was a very good memory. And uh, I don't know, it's hard to name like one thing at our give up, but I think the other really, really, really big memory was, was seductions give up and Ivory and I finding a duet, a male duet of her crowning number mm -hmm. and being able to perform that to her because it, again, sentimental, super sentimental. And it was, it was such an amazing moment. And that was that moment of like, I have these two part of my family now. And that really kind of like, was that icing on the cake of an amazing year of this is my family. Right. And it was, it was amazing. Yeah, I I think that was that was the first year I went and watched. Actually, no, I was back. I backup danced for somebody. Who did I backup dance for? Oh, I backup danced for J C Rios. That's what it was. Mm. It was my very first year. I loved year. his number. Oh, uh, it was so much fun, and it it was a lot of fun. That's all I can say. Mind you, I'm I was born in '95, so I really I knew what Saved by the Bell was, but I didn't like <laughs> feel the nostalgia everybody else. Not saying, not uh -huh. not implying anything to mm. the backup, the other backup dancers, but I mean, I was the youngest on that <laughs> in that routine, <laughs> so I actually had to watch. I think I don't know who made me watch. Uh, someone, one of the people in the in the routine made me watch like a full season of it, and yeah, then I got into my character yeah. and I loved it so. And that was the first, actually, it was a, it was such a cute number. Uh, fun fact. That was the first time I had actually worn blonde. I mean, I've worn brown blonde mixes, but this is the first time I was actually on stage as a blonde curly hair <laughs> person. And it was everything. I loved it. It was really good. It was, it was a great number. I very, mm -hmm. very fun to do. But yeah, I remember being there and I've been twice to MI, my classic and diva. Y'all are completely different than any other pageant I've watched when it comes to crowning. Yeah, because we, we all just stomp and clap for the... You can tell there really is a brother and sisterhood there. While you go over to watch Miss Gay America or Newcomer, we're just ready to get out of get off the stage and get into some comfortable shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. So... A lot of people know, should know by now if you've been listening, uh, that <laughs> you travel a lot. You're not home mm -hmm. most of the time. You're raining. And when, when it comes to traveling with drag, there's a lot you have to take. So mm -hmm. what did you learn about traveling with your drag? Oh, God. Um, be organized. Be really organized and, and pick out your numbers before you leave. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, I'll figure out when I get there, Me. just don't. Just bring bring something extra, especially as a national title holder. Bring, if you're part of the MI division, bring another jacket. Say you need three jackets, bring another one because you might have a contestant that needs it. Bring an extra belt, bring, bring things that you might not necessarily need, but bring one or two extra of it because you have no idea how much that will change a contestant's lives and their experience. Right. If they're like, oh my God, my suit didn't come in. And then you pop out with a, a jacket or a suit for them. And you're like, here you go. This will fit you perfectly. Or here's a belt. You know, those little touches really kind of defines you as a title holder. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you need to make sure that you're, you're packing light enough for yourself because it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, also make sure that your crown is coming with you on the plane. Don't put it in a checked bag because you never know what's going to happen. That that crown should be with you on in the cab. <laughs> like in the right. Bag. I would say pack all the essentials, pack glue and lint rollers and anything that is going to kind of help you to, to make sure you look all pretty. Yeah, it's it's a balance. Pack light enough, but pack a little bit more for your contestants. 
Interesting. I think you're the first one so far that's told me to pack a little extra for the contestants, and just in case. And I've been told time and time again, one palette, and I'm going to make a poured. And you're the first one to say, take a little extra. And everybody else is like, you're limited to one palette. And I'm like, existential crisis. <laughs> just just for me, it was, it, it's, I guess it's, it might be a little bit easier for the MIs. Like, I had so many rhinestone jackets, mm -hmm. just, just a blazer. So even if they don't win creative evening wear, they still have something that they can feel good presenting themselves right. with. You know what I mean? So like you throw one more jacket in there that you're probably not going to wear. Just, just bring it, you know, it's just one more little, little thing that can make the world a difference right. for some of these contestants. Absolutely. And that, I think that's true for, for any division. You just bring that one mm -hmm. extra something, either whether it's for a backup yes. or it's for someone who, I don't know, lost their luggage or didn't get their product in time. It's always good to have mm -hmm. someone you can be at, like, do you, can you maybe help? <laughs> Luckily, I've never yeah. been down that road. Thankfully, I've never been in a situation where I didn't have my product or have something available to me. So here's hoping that never happens to me because I don't know what I would do. <laughs> knock, knock on wood. <laughs> I, I'm going to cry if that ever happens to me. Oh, man. Because especially, especially if it's like an evening gown or something. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, no, mm-mm. I'm just gonna go home. Especially if you spent spent a lot of money on it. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Evening wear is just one of those things you'd hope to God that never happens. Mm -hmm. I dare someone to do that with my money. <laughs> so you've gone and done all your prelims. You're at the national pageant now for 2018. They've gone through mm -hmm. preliminary nights. They've gone through final night stuff, and they get down to your final performance. What are you feeling in that significant moment? It's probably just a mixture of things. Like, I think everyone might have, I don't know, maybe I'm just the only one. I had a moment where I was like, could I have done just a little bit more? Could I have done a little bit more? Did I do everything that I set out to do? What is my legacy? And it, that all flooded my mind. But that really quickly went away when I walked out, saw everyone waiting to tip me, and I turned around and I saw my boys ready to tip me. That is a moment that I think is probably the most powerful for a step down is seeing them all behind you. A good chunk of them with the US of AMI system, they get on their knees oh, yeah. and kind of do that chivalrous thing. And that is so unbelievably humbling. And that is that moment of, okay, I did it. I left my mark. I left my, my legacy on this system and I felt good about it. I felt good with how I left things. Yeah. Everyone could have done, I could have done a little bit more in certain areas, but I think that was a moment of, I did it. I showed up, I left my mark and I'm able to leave here knowing that I passed the crown on to the next person. Right. And then you crowned D'Angelo. Love D'Angelo. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. I love him. I don't care what anybody says. And that was a historical crown. How so? Tell the tea. Spill it. I mean, he's competed for years. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> other than that. that. <laughs> but there was a loud stomping and cheering. And the whole stage oh, was just yeah. shaking. It was unreal. It was like, I can't even begin to describe the feeling on that stage with all of us stomping our feet. Yeah. I remember that because I had a headache after that. <laughs> I was like, can we go back now? <laughs> He's been crowned. Can we leave now? <laughs> my head but hurts. That's what makes the US of A and my system so powerful is moments like that. Oh, absolutely. There wasn't people walking off the stage upset. It was all of us are going to beat on the stage as loud as possible because this person that has put blood, sweat, and tears for years absolutely. finally got that crown. Absolutely. He was simply amazing that year, too. Mm -hmm. I love D'Angelo. I'm going to get him on this show. I'm sure he'll nah, do right. it. Ah, rude. <laughs> <laughs> D'Angelo, you ain't shit. Oh, <laughs> we're keeping that in the no, podcast. I'm just kidding. 
Yeah, you keep it. Yeah. I'm hey. a tag them. Easy, lo- <laughs> Easy love and abs tell me that all the time. They're like, Eddie, you ain't shit. <laughs> you pass now, that on to the next if you listen to If you listen to abs, <laughs> abs's uh, interview, he talks very highly of you. Uh, oh, whatever. He does. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I know, I know. But then get him on social media. See what he says to me on social media. I'm a tag him. <laughs> so, Abs, how do you really feel about Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> He'll say he ain't shit. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Abs, mm-hmm. there's a, a little pageant that is mm-hmm. called the Mr. and Miss Trans USA pageant. Mm-hmm. And the Emeritus to Mr. was Abs, mm-hmm. which we and him talked about that heavily on his episode. For that pageant, something historical happened again. He crowned you again <laughs> when he was stepping down, which is yep. amazing. Yep. Tell me about that. How did it feel being crowned twice by the same person? It just felt like home. He always helped me and continues to help me to get out of my head because that's the biggest thing in pageantry is I get stuck in my head. Right. You know, I, I get really introverted, recluse, and get stuck in my head. And he's that person that's like, stop it, stop it, get out of your head. You know what you're doing, make it happen. So it took me a long time to even agree to do the pageant. And he's like, this is made for you. This is, this is exactly, you're the type of person they need, you know? And he just really kept me motivated as to why I needed to do it. And then obviously him passing it on again, he, you know, he just does his little thing that he always does. Let's do it again. <laughs> Round two. And uh, like we kind of are trying to figure out what the next title is going to be, you know? Does EOI still have their AMI? <laughs> no, they don't. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mm-hmm. thought they, they completely got rid of FEM and MI. You know, maybe one of these Mr. Pageants, maybe oh. All American Gents, if they allow us. I thought All American Gent was an MI pageant. I think All American Gent, I. I correct me if I'm wrong, they might allow trans men. I thought they did. Okay. So then maybe all American Jet. <laughs> the thing is, we might be wrong, but I really thought they did. I thought so too. There's also so Westland and Meyer. There is Westland. Yep. Uh, United States. I think there's also, yes, uh, National Showman. Yep. There's a couple. So we just, we're just going to go through all of them. D- do it. I support it. What was the differencing experience like competing Um, for US of A compared to competing for Trans USA? There is a big distinction between my drag persona and me. Right. So yes, Eddie Broadway won Mr. Trans USA, Mm -hmm. but really the personality of Eddie did not. Right. Because Eddie is my persona. Elijah is the person that really won. And so preparing for that, I had to think not as my performer, but who I am as a trans person. Mm -hmm. So honestly, for me, it was really, really scary and intimidating. Right. I doubt myself. I I second guess myself and I kind of sit there and say, have I done enough as a trans masculine person? Can I be the symbol of excellence, if you will, for the trans masculine community? So that for me was really, really difficult really, really difficult, but it was also super exciting because I got to compete as me and not Eddie. Right. I got to see who I was as a person. And I had LaWanda Jackson coach me on interview. She really pulled that out of me. She pulled that person out of me. And after interview, that's when I had that confidence kind of start for the entire weekend. I was like, okay, that interview was the best interview of my entire life. I was authentic, I was me, and I felt I felt like I could give the title the, I don't know, I guess recognition it deserved. Right, and you're still reigning. It was tough though. I am, and uh, we actually are gonna be reigning for another year. I was <laughs> just about to ask you, how has this pandemic affected your reign? Me and Bianca, we had like five or so pride events mm-hmm. that we were supposed to go to. We had different pageants that we were going to do the national walk at. Yes. We had different ideas of how to 
develop and build the system and now it's kind of just put a big pause on everything please say yeah we're going to walk the national walk at mi yeah yeah yes that would have been sickening we had so many plans for our reign and it just kind of her business kind of has been put on hold Mm -hmm. and i i work at a hospital a psych hospital and so we kind of had to just really put everything on pause so I think now that things are kind of not getting better, they're not. I mean, let's let's face it, it's not. But we've been talking about creative ways to kind of still stay visible right. through this. So we're hoping to kind of use all social media and different platforms to still stay visible right. and kind of regroup as things progress. Well, if all else so. fails, you could just do an online pageant. <laughs> <laughs> possibility i mean i've seen it and it's worked so far so i don't see why not for sure i think we're just because because the nature of the system is about giving back to the community i think both bianca and myself as well as the promoters didn't feel like it was the right time to a take registration fees right people are dealing with job loss and we are a system for the trans community right and the trans community already deals with housing issues, job mm-hmm. issues, all these kind of socioeconomic issues. Mm-hmm. So if now we're asking for money for that kind of system, we're really doing our community a severe injustice right. when really we should be focusing more on how can we raise money for these people that need help? How can we help youth that are stuck in their homes, isolated with families that don't accept them what can we do to do that as opposed to hold a pageant right if you don't mind me asking what are some of the things y'all have done to raise money and awareness i can't necessarily speak for bianca because um, i know there's been a lot of job stuff going on with her Mm -hmm. and a lot of family issues with her Mm -hmm. that has kind of put a backpedal for me i and have continued to raise money for a grant that i have out here which is called the broadway gatlin spectrum grant And what that is, is we award up to $5,000 for gender affirmation surgery. And that is sponsored by the Imperial Court of Arizona. Oh. So I was able to actually award the grant to my second recipient. We we awarded it last year for the first recipient. And we were able to award the second recipient about a week ago. Oh. So they were, they're going to be having their surgery December of this year. That's everything. With the help of our grant. If you don't mind, is there like a certain way you can donate to this grant? Yes. So if you go to imperialcourtaz.org, there is a scholarship section. And you'll see that there's three scholarships. And this is the Broadway Gatlin Spectrum Grant. And I believe there is a PayPal button. Okay. And I will definitely put um, put the link in the bio for this episode on uh, YouTube when I upload it. So be looking out for that. Donate, donate, donate. Um, Right now, because obviously everything has been such a big trauma to our our system and everything going on, I personally have been learning how to utilize like Twitch and, you know, Facebook Live in a different aspect. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to be holding couple fundraisers soon virtually oh. for the grant, for other organizations. There's an organization out here called Transpectrum that I'm going to be working with the current emperor and empress to try to raise money for them. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple of different creative things that we have to do virtually. So. Right. And that's been prominent throughout the whole drag hemisphere <laughs> the drag community mm-hmm. has just come together all come together in the online world we've definitely made our presence known <laughs> yeah it's been a just uh, interesting adjusting how we do things right. and kind of how art is displayed nowadays right absolutely so my final question for you is what is some advice that you would like to give to a future contestant for Mr. US of AMI and Mr. Trans USA. Anything is possible. We talk about in the US of A system that it's any given Sunday. It's anyone's title, it's anyone's crown. Just because so and so and this person and that person are competing does not mean you don't have the ability. 
And then also in addition to that, just because you got a no that year doesn't mean it's a no permanently. It doesn't define you. It doesn't negate who you are as a person or as an entertainer. Mm -hmm. It's not a no, it's just a not right now. And I, I think if you really want it, if you really, really, really feel that you want it, don't let like these critiques that I got that you're an embarrassment to drag or that they, we don't want this type of entertainer or we don't want this person deter you from realizing your dream because there's going to be so many, so many, so many doors closed in your face. So many. But all it takes is that one door to open right. that you push open and say, this is it. This is the time. This is the moment. It, and even if, hypothetically speaking, you never get the title, you never get the crown. Think about what you learned through that process. What did you learn about yourself? How did you grow? What are you going to take to overlap that with the rest of your life? How are you going to grow as a person as well as an entertainer? Right. So it's, you don't lose, you learn. And every single time is a learning opportunity to figure out you and grow. Interesting. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. That's deep. <laughs> Wait a minute. You had me all, what? <laughs> Did I mention I was a mental health therapist? <laughs> I can tell. It's like speaking to my my parents. Huh? What? Okay, everything you make sense, but uh, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I'm not very good at taking my advice, so. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody who's good at giving advice knows how to take their own advice. Oh, absolutely not. I I know what I need to do, <laughs> but then I don't listen. Right. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I want to say thank you for doing this within your crazy world. I didn't really know you were a medical worker. And thanks for that. I know right now. It's not the easiest time. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been awesome. Absolutely. Well, my name is Alora O'Shaughnessy, and this has been National Tea Time. Mm -hmm.